Welcome to the DL. This is the show where we talk about everything in the truck and equipment repair industry. It's my job to help inform and educate you on ways to help your business. We talk with technicians, business owners, associations, industry experts, manufacturers, and even a few you wouldn't think traditionally apply to your business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of The DL. I'm your host, Tyler Robertson. And if you are a manager, a business owner, someone in control somewhere in your company over expenses or business decisions, listen up. I think you're going to enjoy this episode because we are going to dig into it here. I got a guest in our studio here in South Carolina, and we're going to be talking about all the different kind of leaky buckets, all the different expenses, all the things you may not know you're spending money on where there's probably potential to save money and ways to reduce your exposure out there and ways to really just help your business. So with all that said, I would like to welcome Ed Burris into the studio today. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Tyler. So why don't you just tell everyone a little bit about uh, yourself and your Ed Burris advisory group that you have now and, and kind of what your what your company does essentially. Okay. So I came out of uh, working for Fortune 500 companies after 17 years. Um, and wanted to give something back to the business industry. And when we started the Burris Advisory Group, what we wanted to be able to do is do something that never uh, put our businesses or our clients in financial risk. So we, we work completely off of a contingency basis, which means if we don't deliver, they don't pay anything. Um, and we just, we find there's 20 services that we expose, we give the opportunity for a business to look at. And not all of them will connect with every business, but there's usually four or five that will. So when I kind of talked to you beforehand, did a little research, it, it sounds like you call it the uh, the Burris Business Buffet here of these right. of these twenty things, <laughs> and they kind of fall down into four four categories. We have expense reduction, we have overpayment recovery, we have tax incentives, and we had specialized savings. So I'd like to talk about a couple of these and, and try to hit, we'll try to hit like a, a wide swath of these things so we can kind of sure. explain to everyone some of the things they may be missing in their business. And I'll kind of relate some of my personal experiences on some of these as well, because there are true savings out there that that we weren't even aware of as well. So let's just dig into the big one that's going on. And a big expense for every company is healthcare. Right. So one of your things is healthcare savings. Can you give a little background on kind of, you know, where where can you save on healthcare? Okay, so the first thing you have to recognize what the real problem is in healthcare. Um, we get kind of blinded with the insurance providers. It's really uh, the the problem is a billing problem, and that what I mean by that is is typically if you go into a place that, uh, to have a procedure done, it can cost you ten dollars and turn around and cost me a thousand dollars. So it's it it changes. So what we've done is we've negotiated contracts where that you are you know before you walk in the door uh, how much you're going to pay. So it's it's kind of like um, would you go into a grocery store and pick something up not knowing what the price was and take it up to the counter? That's what we're doing with healthcare, and so we eliminated that. So when someone goes in and they're going to have a procedure, they know for a fact it's going to cost them a hundred dollars, and that's it. I think that's one of the biggest problems. And I was just talking to my VP of HR and legal, Charlie Webb, and he moved down here from the Spartanburg area. We're, we're here in the middle of the state and they're in the upper, you know, upper part of the state. 
And he has some test he gets done every year and he's used to paying a certain amount. That's what it's been for the last couple of years. And, you know, he moves down here and he gets a new doctor that got recommended by his old one and gets that same test done. And it's literally like eight times the amount that he had been paying for it. There <laughs> so, you go. Yeah. So, so he goes and starts in talking a little bit and finding out why. And they're like, oh, well, if you would have went to this other hospital over here, <laughs> you would have paid the same, the same rate. And he's yeah. just like, what, why nobody, why there's not menu pricing for basic one-on-one exactly. -on -one stuff just kills me in the medical system. And it's really hard for people. Cause like you said, they go into a doctor and doctor's like, we're gonna do this test, do that test. And they walk out and be like, oh, here's a thousand dollar bill. And you're kind of like, whoa, 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 yeah. what's going on here? Right. That's exactly right. And that's the, so when you can eliminate that uh, and, and make it a menu type of situation where you walk in and you know before you walk in that before anything happens um, what it's going to cost you then people have a a better chance of being able to pay it or decide hey i, I don't need that that bad yeah so charlie's whole way to get back to him was well i'm not going to pay you all up front what's my payment plan and he's literally doing like the bare minimum to pay him every <laughs> every month he's like fine if they want to take a year to get paid i'll, I'll do right. that instead of negotiating the bill so the, the whole, i think we could sit here for for days probably and talk about all the the failures of our medical system and but, billing system and insurance and, and all that stuff i know it's a whole sticky wicket there at the end of the day um so that that's one example let's talk about another one and let's talk about shipping technology. So you have it on the buffet here. What mm -hmm. what can you tell us about shipping technology? So again, I think we begin with what's happened with the pandemic. The pandemic has sent FedEx and UPS into a, a whirlwind. They don't know what to do. They weren't ready for this. And so there's a lot of, you've got some of the smaller carriers now starting to uh, pop up, jump in and the u.s postal service believe it or not they have there's two sides of the postal service there's the letter carriers which is not making money losing money yep yeah. but you got the parcel side that amazon absolutely took from nothing to something and so 60 percent of the amazon parcels are sh uh, shipped through the u.s postal service so what we've been able to do through our shipping technology is combine all the carriers into one uh, place and save uh, any fulfillment house or anyone that's shipping anywhere from 15 to 35% on the contracts that we've already negotiated. Yeah, I think, and I'll, I'll give a little experience here at Diesel Laptops. So, you know, every year, you know, since we when I started, it was just, hey, let's use UPS. They handed us a contract. I signed it. We're on our way, right? Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know you could even negotiate those things. And I had no volume <laughs> at that time either, right? right. So, uh, you know, it was, it was cheaper than me going to the, the pack and mail every day and or the UPS store and dropping off stuff. Um, but as COVID came along, we had a, an expense reduction committee kind of get together and be like, okay, we got COVID, things are locking down. Now we need to focus on expenses. We never has a company. You guys are employees. We, we grabbed people from different departments and we brought them together and said, hey, let's do this committee to try to figure this out. And we bring them in there. And one of the things that came up was, hey, let's go look at our, our UPS bill. And of course, we get people all the time that are, um, you know, contacting us and, hey, I can help save you money on your UPS bill or in FedEx and, and all and negotiate your contract and all these things. And we kind of we kind of push it to the side, but we took a stronger look at it due to the COVID thing. And this literally shocked me. I didn't realize if we didn't put the exact weight or a round up mm -hmm. like the nearest pound and our dimensions were off even one inch to the to the side where it, we actually were too short based on what it actually was or too small, that we got a reway fee from, right. from UPS. 
And in our case, those reway fees were just absorbed, like huge. Like I'm talking tens of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. a year. I'm paying in reway fees, which is essentially the package going down the assembly line at UPS with lasers shooting at it and scales. Right. And they're, they're making a lot of money off this stuff. And we just tweaked that one thing. And I was actually kind of more upset at UPS than anybody else. Because I'm like, man, you know, UPS, we have a we have a rep. Like, why aren't you guys coming to us and saying, hey, mm. You know, you guys, if you did a little tweak here, you'd save yourself a bunch of money. But I get it. They're not in the business of saving their customers money. Yeah. They're in the business of, of making money. Sure. Is there a lot of little things out there like that when it comes to small package? You, you said it, Tyler. That's exactly what's happening. And um, when you put the technology in place, it, it eliminates that for you. You don't ever have to even think about that. This technology will take any of those dimensions. It's going to lay out. Once you put that dimension in, it's going to tell you which carrier is going to give you the lowest rate. And and if you need it overnight, next day, uh, or overnight, or if you need it today or whatever, it's going, it's going to allow you to basically bid it out yeah, to get the best service for the least amount of cost. So kind of like a multi-thread. Like, I got a package to ship. Hey, computer, what's my best options based on right. time and distance and, and price and all those things? That's it. Yeah. No, it'd be very handy because I know we have that problem now where we pretty much ship everything UPS when we know like, okay, we ship a eight pound package to California from South Carolina. We know it's going to take four or five days and we're going to pay a pretty sum. I could probably ship that same thing in a flat rate box at the U S postal service and get it there in two or three days priority and, and make everyone happier and save and be less expensive. But we just don't really have the ability to do that. Well, and in our platform, so Amazon's got the best rates. Yeah. uh, When it comes to. They're insanely cheap at Amazon because we are FBA and FBM and all that at Amazon. So we have the same rates. Okay. As Amazon. All right. And um, that, when people see that, that's what gets them really excited. But then the technology itself, when it, it streamlines, creates uh, a workflow with less mistakes. And you've got people that are being more productive because they're getting this done and they're able to go do something else. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge time saver when you can save. Time is money, right? Oh, in yeah. every business. And I, again, kind of relating that to diesel laptops, we're going through a lot of that where we're actually trying to put, you know, lean process together and trying to eliminate waste. And it's all about finding minutes, not hours during That's the right. day that you can save. So, so we talked about healthcare. We talked about shipping. Uh, let's talk about another one. And let's talk about automated accounts payable. Okay. Like when I hear the word automated and I hear the word me sending money out, I get scared. <laughs> All right. So so what's automated accounts payable? Uh, that, that reminds me of a video that we've got that we send out to folks like you. They, it, It's hard to trust something like that. And uh, so the automated accounts payable is nothing more than taking every way that you make payments to your vendors. And putting it under one technology, one platform. So if you write checks, you can write checks from this. If you do wire transfers, you can do that. If you use a virtual card or a a corporate card, you can do it through this software. The beautiful thing is, is that we show you how to take what you're already doing. And for with a few tweaks, we can show you how to get a rebate back from that, which will help. And a lot of times it helps pay for that person doing accounts payable. Um, And it's more secure. Uh, You know, I could go, there's a list of things that makes it um, positive. But when you've got an accounts payable person, usually that person's not the lowest paid person on the rung. 
And, and a lot of times they get hung up with making all these different payments. So what you want them to be able to do is get this done so they can go on to something that you really want them to take care of. Yeah, we had a similar situation here. We were in the, the really odd spot a couple of years ago where we were actually buying more from our primary, one of our primary vendors than they could give us credit limit for. And it wasn't because we couldn't pay in time. It's just because we all grew them so fast and all of a sudden we're bigger than our own distributor that we're trying to buy product through. And it, it wasn't working for us because they're asking us to prepay for things and do things. And finally, we had to, we got a, a company credit card and kind of said, hey, look, we're, we're going to do it a different way. You can actually bill us every every Friday now and get your money right away. We're never more than a week out with you guys. Right. But it actually worked out well because I got my terms on the credit card. Plus, there's some rebate money that happens on those types of things. I think yeah. you're kind of alluding to a little bit, too. So there is actually ways to save money and actually make a little bit of money That's even right. paying bills. That's as it. crazy as that sounds for a lot of people to hear that. That's where we're going. I mean, that that's the... I mean. Well, through automation, a business should be able to get some kind of return, um, especially if you're paying. When you can uh, decrease the amount of times that you go over. When I talk to businesses or vendors, they tell me that their 30-day nets are usually 45 days. Yep. Their 15-day nets or their 10-day nets usually go 30 days. Yep. So if you can get that down to the you know 30 minutes before it's due and they can send it in and it automatically hits the account, that's pretty nice. Yeah. And I know I made a lot of mistakes on that side when I was growing my business up here the, the first couple of years. I mean, we were so for, focused on marketing and selling customers. We're like, well, we'll just deal with collecting money and all this other stuff <laughs> in the back end. You know, then, you, then you're like, oh, I've had record months and I, I've had record record years and I got no money to pay taxes. You open up the checkbook. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. Where, where did it all go? Yeah. Like, how are we going to make payroll next week? So, yeah, I, I get it. And it's anyone running a small business, I think, has those challenges. You want to get paid and you want to get paid as quickly as possible. And I think People don't realize how important that is as you're growing a business to be on top of that stuff because it can get out from underneath you oh. in a heartbeat. And most small businesses don't fail because they don't have enough business coming in. It's because they didn't manage your finances exactly. properly through that whole process. So there's another big one that we kind of talked about beforehand. You said they kind of relate a little bit, right? Credit card process auditing and unclaimed property. Okay. So I'm not sure which of those you kind of want to hit first or, or how you want to tie those together. Because I, I don't see the relationship, but I'm sure you're about to break it down for me. Well, the company that we use to do our research, the engineers, that's where it connects at. So credit card processing in April of 2021 will see the largest increase of um, interchange, which is the wholesale rate. That's what the issuing banks collect. <clears throat> it's going to go up. If if you if you took the typical business and you took a typical average, it's going to go up twenty percent, and that's that's massive. Uh, when there's only a small part of it that you can negotiate, and that's not one of the parts, right? Unless you do a lot of level two, level three type of process. So, okay, so I want to I want to I, I know you got more to talk about here, yeah. but I want to kind of break it down for everyone. So sure. if everyone can imagine a pie, right, a big circle. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of money, and every time there's a swipe, say it's 2.9 or 3%, whatever it is, right. right? There's a lot of that that percentage that you're paying that's just not negotiable because mm -hmm. you got to pay, you know, maybe you can help me out here. You got to pay, you got to pay like Visa, MasterCard, American Express. They're making their money, right? Right. 80% goes to the issuing bank. So the bank, whoever's name's on the credit card. They get 80% of that transaction. Okay. 7% goes to Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express. Because their name's on it, and that's right. their... And then the rest of it goes to the credit card processor that sold you the service. 
And is that's the percentage then that can be negotiated? That that is that is really close. Yeah. So so really that whole transaction, there's just a small little sliver there, as you were saying. Yeah. About that thirteen percent, twelve, thirteen. All right. So I mean, I get credit card people emailing me, LinkedIn, calling me all the time, saying we're going to save you guys fifty percent on your credit card, whatever the number is. Yeah. I, I don't know what they say. What what's going on there? Because that, that seems like an industry with a lot of sharp elbows and a lot of a lot of talk. And it, I always have a hard time being like, how do I even measure this? Like, I am I getting a good deal? Am I getting a bad deal? There's it's a hard thing to figure out as a business owner, right? And I don't think that if if you're dealing directly with a merchant service provider, that it's hard for you to measure because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And that's the reason I wanted to do something outside of credit card processing. When, uh, when you're looking at it, you you can't see the um, what the interchange is doing. You can't see what the assessments are doing. You don't know what type of cards you're taking. You don't know when you could have actually got a good, a better price on that. So a business card or corporate card costs more than any other card. There's ways to reduce that, but people don't tell you that. Yeah, and that's the issue. There, those are the issues, and um, the audit process that we've got now, what it does is is it once that we go in, get your rate down, then we audit that account every month for you. Uh, it just on and on and on. As long as you're a customer, we audit that and then send you up and we let you know, hey, you're still good. You're still good. And if it ever goes out of that good, you know, out of that tolerance, <clears throat> we because you give us the authority, we go and negotiate that back down. So I think a lot of our listeners are mainly doing business to business, right? They're repair shops or right. fleets or everyone. And you mentioned level two and level three, I think they're mm-hmm. a little bit. Can you kind of break down what what exactly is that when you when you use that terminology? So level two and level three is is business to business cards. That's corporate cards, purchasing cards, or any kind of business card. And that can even be debit cards. And what that means is is when you level two means that you're putting more information to the card brands to let them know that you're gathering, you're capturing more information. Level three is is the most information you get. So level two would be about seven, eight line items. Level three is going to be anywhere from 13 to 20 line items that you're putting down. And the key to it is there's several companies out there today that will do automated level two and level three so that you don't have to list all that stuff out. Uh, so, okay, so, so just to simplify this here, so, you know, I, we, I went through this. So I kind of knew what level two and three and everything there, not to the degree you're explaining, but that was understanding too is, hey, if you're doing a business to business transaction here and you're getting their zip code, their address, their phone number, and you're putting all that in the system, we're going to give you a better rate right. for those things, right? But that involves us manually asking for those things all the time. So you're saying there's automated systems oh, yes. that will just kind of pre-populate those because they know, hey, it's... There's a couple of gateways yeah. out there that uh, that you can use that when you put it in, um, it will automatically fill that data for you. And by putting that in, you automatically get that savings. Okay. okay. Yeah. Very good to know. And then you were, I'm sorry, you were talking there a little bit about the, you know, the unclaimed property right. and going down that path. So sorry to get you a little sidetracked no, there. Right. So the company that we use to do both of these um, also is doing, uh, does the... Um, Class action lawsuits. So there's a class action lawsuit right now that Visa MasterCard settled on for $5.5 billion. With a B. With a B. All right. So anyone that has collected or used credit card processing from 2004 to 2019 is a member of this class 
but they have to register. Okay. We are a registering agent for that. So if anybody wants to get registered for that, it probably won't pay for another year and a half. But if they want to be registered and, and when they start funding that, they'll automatically start getting checks. Do you know what the basis for the lawsuit was? Was it just they weren't disclosing things or so being shady? Called, what, what, it, what was it? It's called PCIF. So it was during the PCI entry level. So PCI started in in uh, 2004. That's the security stuff? Yeah. Is? But it, there wasn't securing anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they were, they were doing all this. There was no real um, security in place. There was no guidelines. There was nothing there like there are now. And so, but they were charging them fees. Okay. They were charging merchants fees. Yeah. And, uh, and non-compliance fees and, and even compliance fees. All, all kinds of these fees were coming out and, um, it was, it was bogus. That's what it was. So I've always thought, I've always been fascinated with the Visa and MasterCard's business model, right? Because their customers are actually the merchants at the end of the day that are, that are doing these things and they're getting their slice of the transaction. And anytime they want to make more money, they basically just go raise the fees to the merchants who have to take the credit cards because that's what their customers are using. So it's a, it's a great business model those guys have. Well, just think about the marketing for the last 40 years. Yeah. Now you don't, ha- you don't have a choice. Yeah. But to take credit cards. Used to, you could say, I'm, you know, I'm not going to well, take them. The pandemic, they don't even want cash now. We don't have change. No. So please pay with your credit card or debit card. I'm like, this, <laughs> this got really weird all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just put your card in here. Yeah. I don't want to touch it. Yeah. 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 You don't have to touch them. I just swipe it in front. Yeah. You, you are right, though. They have, you know, people can rattle off, you know, it's everywhere you want to be. And all, all those slogans we've been hearing for the last right. whatever years, it's it's absolutely crazy. Great and, marketing. And who doesn't have a couple credit cards in their wallet right now listening to this? So yeah. they, they just spend, 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 right? The only thing that I would want to tell is is anytime you're using a car just remember that the person that you're the business that you're using that they're paying a fee for, to accept that card yeah yeah we i can say diesel laptops it's hundreds of thousands of dollars a year we pay in credit card right. fees and you just look at it and you're like man that just makes me sick oh, <laughs> you know but and you know i don't want to be that guy that tries to pass that on to customers i know there's like surcharging you can do and, and yeah. stuff and is that is that still is that allowed or is that not allowed it what? is allowed okay it, it is allowed and and i'm gonna i'll make a prediction that within five years it'll be the norm yeah to surcharge customers because yeah. they'll ha- you'll have to in order to stay at a where you can be, stay competitive yeah. yeah so we actually found a company it's it's kind of it's basically factoring but their their rate and they're they're really specialized in the whole truck repair and fleet like mm-hmm. in our niche. Their rates are actually cheaper than the credit card processing rates right. to do factoring. And I'm like, so wait a second, I get my money the next day, and it's a third cheaper transaction fee than the guy paying a credit card, and I have no liability. There's no chargeback. Mm-hmm. They're like, yep. I'm like, sign me up. It, it, it it's absolutely insane. And you're telling me the credit card fees are actually going up here next oh. year. Yeah, I mean, and and. Uh... There's nothing anyone can do about it. That's the problem. Unless you get Congress on board, then I don't know if you're if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, <laughs> who knows anymore, right? Uh, uh, what about the unclaimed property? So, unclaimed property is the newest thing that we have, and it's a beautiful uh, product. I love it. So, if, usually, if you've got a company that's been in business for say uh, 18, 20 plus years, and they're doing, and their business has grown. Through those years, they've not stayed, you know, at the same level. Uh, we can take and go back, take that information, plug it into our technology, and it'll go out to about four thousand locations or four thousand places to find where 
money is usually stored or kept for unclaimed property. And it's cash. It's not property. Yeah. And uh, we just, uh, I'm not going to say the name on here, but the uh, a large office supplier, uh, we just got them back $4 million. They didn't have a clue that it was sitting out there. Yeah, I know me personally, not even a business. I got random money in some accounts here and there and things I've done over the years. I probably lost a 401k along the way here somewhere right. as well, right? So there's a lot of that that goes on out there in the market. Um, and there's one we didn't talk about beforehand, but I'd, I'd really like to talk to you about it. And that's copier lease audit. Okay. All right. So can you explain what a copier lease audit is or what even explain how people buy copy machines maybe to give a little background here? Well, so, so for the bigger uh, probably what you have in here, you've probably leased those more than likely. The smaller ones, uh, I forget what, A5s or whatever they're called, uh, people buy those like it's in my office. Mm -hmm. um, but when you start leasing these copiers, what happens is you lease them and all you're looking for is how much is it going to cost me each month, you know. And, yeah, per page. And, and, yeah. and you budget it. But then you start finding uh, there's uh, hidden annual cost, yeah. hidden, hidden uh, cost if you go over that amount, um, maybe that you wasn't looking, you weren't looking at. Uh, there's different ways to structure leases so that um, you can, uh, I don't know, for a, for a lack of a better illustration, when we go in and take a look at the lease, it's, it's like taking a lot of that garbage that's in there and wiping it out, and then you get to see what the real lease looks like. Once we see that, it's easy to go back in and renegotiate that. Yeah. Well, we we do not have one of those big ones. We keep talking about it, but my experience with where I worked at before was absolutely horrible because, um, you know, when you do the math on it and you're like, oh, it's going to cost me 20 grand over three years. I'm like, I could buy a car for that amount. <laughs> like, what what is going on here? And we had a real difficult time talking to him and saying, look, how about I just buy a copy machine from you and I just pay you for maintenance when I need it. I don't want to do this per month, per right. page. I can't calculate out how much we're possibly going to need here. So they do a real good job in the industry sure. of bundling it all up and not really knowing exactly. There's, and there's actually two two agreements. There's that service agreement and that yeah. lease agreement, but they make it look like that it's combined. Yeah. we I went through a similar thing when we bought this building. So we bought this building. It's two floors and we have two elevators. And I had no idea you have to actually have, I knew you needed like a certification, but then you talk to people, they're like, oh, well, we'll do a, we'll do a monthly package for you, but we only come out once every three months and actually do anything. And then you got to buy all the, all the parts every time you need it. And, you know, here it's going to cost you, you know, seven grand a year. I'm like, seven grand a year for you guys to come out three times to service my elevators. Mm -hmm. And I got to buy all the parts. Like, I, I feel like I'm missing something here, guys. So <laughs> took a lot of, you know, there's just, there's a lot of that out there. And people don't understand, I think, especially as I can tell you as a small business, especially as, as, as we were getting bigger, I never negotiated any contracts. I didn't think they were negotiable. Right. They just kind of hand you a piece of paper and say, here you go. And, you know, now we're different, right? Now they hand us a contract like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got a VP of HR and legal here. Yep. He gets to review the attorney. He gets to review it. And we're going to give you a red line version back. And for the most part, even if it's a huge company, they're usually negotiable on sure. a lot of those terms. Sure they are. And and that's what we want to be is that is that company that your legal department or the, whoever you put in charge of that can shove that to us and let us go through it. Because the people that are looking at each one of these audits or each one of these, they're experts. They've been in this industry for over 20 years. Yeah. And so they're looking at, they know exactly where to find, you know, the, they know where the buried bodies are. 
Yeah, it's just, it's what you don't know. And if you don't know those things, you either pay expensive lessons to learn them or you right. can go hire someone right out of the gate, <laughs> such as you, to say, hey, come come help us figure right. this out. And I know another one that's on your list here is R&D tax incentives. So I'll let you talk a little bit about what R&D tax incentives are, and then I'll kind of tell you my experience here at Diesel with those. Okay. So I'm not going to claim to be a tax professional, but R&D tax uh, this year, what intrigued me about this was... Um, President Trump, whether you like him or not, he increased those R&D tax incentives yeah. tremendously. So if you're doing any kind of um, – uh, if you've got labor that is placed in R&D and you're spending money in that realm, yeah. then you can – you just basically – you can turn all that money back around and you get a significant amount of it back so you can reinvest it back into your company. Yeah. So – I didn't know those things existed until last year and we're sitting down, we got a new CPA firm, new attorney, mm -hmm. you know, kind of, you know, as we're growing up, right. You got the, That's right. You, some better people came in and they're like, Tyler, you may have an opportunity to make some money back on these R and D tax credit incentives. I'm like, Oh, tell me more. Right. Mm -hmm. And they basically, well, there's some at the state level and there's a, a lot at the federal level here. And it really, if you're using American labor to design or create new things right. that don't exist before, you can get a huge tax credit back at the end of the year. And it's not a simple process. So we actually mm. had to, we had to engage with a firm and everything and they, they come in and they do their due diligence. And, you know, I think they, they took a, a pretty good chunk, but the fact is I've, I've gotten over six figures back That's on right. just those incentives that I didn't even know existed. We were spending the money anyway, but now I'm kind of like, man, I, we're going to get some of this money back. Let's keep pushing and doing new things. And people, I think a lot of times think that's just software companies or engineers mm, or chemists. Yeah. It, it, you know, they were working with furniture stores. They were, all kinds of businesses are eligible for this thing. Well, and it, you said that the, the perfect analogy is you said it right. <clears throat> you were able to take that money, pull it back in and say, let's continue yep. with this R&D. Let's continue doing this. It gives you an incentive to build new things, come up with new ideas. And that's what it's for uh, because that's what business owners want. That's how you grow your business. Yeah. Um, cost segregation is another one that's big. I and mean, you talk about owning this property and it's the same type of people. You got to have an engineer come in and do studies. Yeah. Um, and that's big for business owners. And, it, and that's what, you know, I'm driven to the business owner. I was raised in a business owner family and any way that we can put money back in the business owner's pocket so that they can, advance or grow or do R&D, whatever it is that they can, they need to do with that money. That's what we want to do. So, um, and in a nutshell, we work off that contingency basis. So we never put our customers at fin financial risk ever. Yeah. And there's, I mean, we've only got, we've gone through a couple of these, right? And I know another big one that we've missed out at Diesel Laptop that's on your list, hiring tax incentives. Mm -hmm. We've never, you know, I mean, we've hired a hundred and we got 165 people now, right? And I've, we, we probably should have went at some point back to somebody and said, Hey, we're going to create a bunch of jobs. Well, they just added, I mean, they just about doubled it per employee now. Yeah. This year because of the pandemic, you've got to do it uh, in order. To, I mean, it's just going to be a, a uh, it's like a harvest for your business. Well, I think hopefully we give everyone enough kind of color and background here on the ways that are out there to go save money or get tax credits or at least fix those leaky buckets in your business. Right. And 
find out what you don't know. So I know you guys do like a no risk assessment scenario. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of walk everyone through what that looks like and explain that a little bit? Okay. The simplest one is the unclaimed property. Uh, all I need is uh, a C-level or a decision maker's name. And I can, I can go in and find out if it's, if there's something there. If it is, then we come back and tell you what that is, and then we can execute a contract to go get it. And that means that you're giving us the ability to take our people and go after it. Um, as far as um, do do you do that assessment only on that particular one, or do you do that on? That's the easiest one. That's the easiest to, one. Okay, yeah. that's the because it, it doesn't require any data. Yeah. The other th- things there's different things in there. It's like, say credit card processing audit need three months worth of statements. Yeah. You know, it's pretty simple. Um, and we can go through that and we do a very, we do 11 point check, um, and show you what that is. But then you can do, um, when we do the hospital, the healthcare savings, healthcare savings, we're going to need to know how many employees you have insured, uh, what type of insurance. So there's a lot more data points there, of course. And once we get that, that, but usually a person that's helping us or people that are helping us, a total of two hours may be spent at max at, at any one of these uh, to get data. Yeah. So you need a little bit of information. You can help people back. And are you charging them by the hour? Is it mm. just how, how is your, how do you charge? Because you obviously got to make some money here, right? right? Sure. Sure. So what we do is, is we never take anything out of existing revenue. Anything that we save. So credit card processing. If we save you $100, we're going to ask for a short period of time. We're going to ask for $50 of that to yep. pay us for going and getting it. And we're going to assure that you're going to continue to get that on and on and on. Um, if we go into unclaimed property, we're going to ask for 25% of that uh, when we bring it to the table. So that's the way that we, uh, that's how we make our money. Yeah. But it all comes out of savings yep. or refunds. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you need to deliver something to them right. in order to get paid. If we don't deliver, we don't get paid. Well, I know we, we didn't talk about some of these other ones. I'll rattle them off real quick sure. just so people kind of understand. Workers comp, uh, premium recovery audit, waste and recycling audit, a wireless audit, which I'm assuming is to do with mobile phones yes. and data plans and all that, parcel shipping audit, uh, cost segregation, auto class action registration, employee same day pay, property tax mitigation. I'm, I'm sure you guys got all kinds of things you can do to help sure. businesses. So. I guess what I'd tell people is there's ways to save money in your current business and put more money in your pocket at the end of the day. There's experts out there, such as yourself, Ed, that are able to go help people. If someone wants to reach out to you, talk to you, learn more about your company or see if there's a way you can help them save money, what's the best way to get a hold of you? So the best way to get a hold of me is as my email, which is ed, E-D, at burris, B-U-R-R-I-S, advisory.com. My website is burrisadvisory.com. And the business phone is 828-542. I have to get these numbers right. 542-1699. 828-542-1699. You know, the one number I can never get right is our zip code over here because we keep moving buildings every mm-hmm. year. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to bother trying to remember anymore <laughs> the zip code because I can't ever keep them straight in my head anyway. So, but I really much appreciate you coming on the show and spending some time with us. Hopefully all the listeners got to learn a little bit something through this episode. And again, highly recommend you guys reach out. Doesn't cost you anything to do it. And you can probably put some money in your pocket at the end of the day. And that's what it's all about, taking home as much as you can. So with that, Ed, thank you very much for coming on the show, sir. Thank you, Tyler. All right. As we end every episode, remember, it's not just diagnostics. It's diagnostics done right. And it starts with saving yourself some money. (laughs) 